Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're off and running again. So smooth. So sweet. Splendid. Succinct. Just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network, presented to you by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game. Get $200 free. I'm Michael Leboff. I host this podcast, and I have two co-hosts. One is BJ Cunningham. He's in Iowa. The other one is Anthony DeBundo. He's somewhere in Pennsylvania. One is an Arsenal fan. One is a Tottenham Hotspur fan. Neither of them have much conviction on this game, but I do. Uh, Let's talk about the North London Derby. Arsenal's at home. They're even money favorites. Spurs coming to you at plus 250. The draw is plus 260. Of course, these odds are from Bet365. This is 7.30 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. Of course, the Premier League loves to schedule these derbies early. I like Spurs here. I'll go into it a little bit more, but I want to flip it to you guys since you are on either side of this rivalry. Anthony, let's start with you. In our sheet where we run down all our bets, you said Spurs are nothing, but it sounds like, just from what we were talking about before hitting record, you're leaning towards nothing. I am leaning towards nothing. Uh, first of all, this match is at 730, uh, and I blame the Premier League schedule makers for making me wake up that early for the you know one of the two biggest matches of the season. But this has been dominated by the home team, this rivalry. Dating back to you know the last 10 years, Arsenal have had a lot of success at home against Spurs, and that has that continued in the last season, even when Spurs were at their best. They struggled in this fixture, 2017, 2018, when Spurs were clearly better than Arsenal. Lost 2-0, lost 4-2. BJ, you know the last time that Spurs won at Arsenal in the league? Or don't. 2010. So it's been a long hmm, time wow. since they've won. the. Uh, I was in high school then. Yeah, I was uh, 11. So yeah, it's been, a long, <laughs> it's been a long time since Spurs have won at Arsenal. I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, with that being said, you look at these two teams. Arsenal have been better for my numbers, better if you look across the board, whether it's uh, expected goals allowed, expected goals for their ball progression numbers have been better. And so I power rate Arsenal as a slightly better team than Spurs. They're at home. My number is pretty close to right. I do show uh, no value on either side. My number is technically suggesting that Arsenal's inflated, but with the VIG included, I don't have an edge here. And from a matchup point of view, I do see the case for Tottenham because I think with party out, that may limit how much they're able to dominate the midfield. Arsenal will still have some fullback questions with, with injuries coming back with Zinchenko, and we're not sure exactly who's going to make the start there. I think, you know, Tomiyasu has been inconsistent lately for Arsenal uh, when he's been out there. So I think those are the two biggest kind of question marks. It's how much control this match does Arsenal really have. And when they lose the ball, we've seen Arsenal be very vulnerable against Man United, for example. And I think Spurs can do a lot of similar things in behind in this matchup. So we have not seen, you know, Conte versus Arteta in its truest form yet, because the first match last year was Nuno and it was terrible. The second match, 
Arsenal controlled more of the possession in the first 20 minutes, but Spurs consistently look dangerous. But of course, Rob Holding will not be starting in this game. So I hope that not. makes a huge help for the Gunners. Uh, but of course, there was an early goal and red card in that game that kind of threw everything off. So I think you have to uh, not throw out what happened, but that also was at Tottenham. So I think, you know, all, all in all, it's a very interesting match. I am not going to be betting at the current number, but if, if we do get some more Arsenal steam, I'll be on Tottenham for sure. We probably will get more Tottenham steam because that's what keeps happening in the market with Tottenham. I mean, listen, this this match towards the end of last season, like it sucked. Like, like you mentioned, Arsenal was pretty good for the first 20 minutes and then Rob Holding got a red card. Arteta, for whatever reason, tried to play a 4-3-3 instead of his normal 4-2-3-1. They didn't have Thomas Party. They had Elneny in the middle. It just didn't work. Obviously, after the red card, things just you know went downhill very fast. I think this is another situation where Arsenal is overvalued. I still, on a neutral field, would have Tottenham favored. I mean, if we're taking essentially Conte's numbers from when he took over and Arsenal's numbers from last year, like even counting a little bit for this year, Tottenham's been better on XG. Stylistically, it sets up really well for them. And the perfect picture of it is the Manchester United match against Arsenal. United was really good for the first 20 minutes. They got the goal and then they kind of just sat back, played a low block, and they just looked to counter Arsenal. And it worked. Like Arsenal was very vulnerable. They got in behind a bunch of times. You saw it on Saturday with Tottenham against Leicester. Leicester's obviously a different story, but just the ability Tottenham has to just punish you on the counterattack. And I think that's what they're going to set up to do here. So, you know, I only have Arsenal projected at plus 145. So I, if I wasn't an Arsenal fan, I'd be playing Tottenham plus half a goal, but I, I can't bet against my team, especially in the North London Derby. And you know, it's interesting because also we have t- the case with Tottenham that they played one big six side. It was Chelsea. And I think we can all admit that Chelsea was by far the better side. Tottenham tried to play essentially some type of counterattacking style and Chelsea got a bunch of chances. They had 39 touches in the penalty area. You know, XG came out to just 1.4 to 1.1. So if Arsenal can somehow repeat that blueprint and hopefully stop Tottenham on the counter without Thomas party. It's going to be hard. It looks like he's questionable right now. If he's out, that's, that's tough for, for Arsenal. So I will be sitting this one out and I hope Anthony and Michael that you two lose all of your money on this match. This is a good situation for our podcast. I think, I think both of you two are very sharp gentlemen and you're kind of in your own heads because it's a rivalry match. Like I get it. Like I, I, I do this before a lot of Everton matches, Islander games, everything. It is so obvious to me what the better bet here is. It is so obvious that it's Tottenham. It's a stylistic thing more than anything. Like the we we've talked about this how many times on this podcast and how many times has it worked out? It comes down to style with this team much more than the numbers. Like if this team, if Tottenham is able to sit back and absorb and defend and then counter, and you're getting them as an underdog, if Man United was it. able just, to do it, Tottenham can do it. Yes, exactly. Just take it. It's that, that simple. I like Tottenham plus 250 uh, at Bet365. I think is a good number. Anthony said, like, maybe you have Arsenal slightly ahead of Spurs right now in your power ratings. You think they're a little bit of a better team. And that might be right over the long term, but you could just throw that out in this match, right? Like this is a styles make fights kind of situation. Uh, and stylistically, it's a great setup for Spurs. It just is. I'm sorry to say it, BJ. I hope you lose. I, yeah, I'm, I I get it, and they the odds say that they're more <laughs> likely to do it than than to win. But I I just think oh. this is a really good spot to to back Tottenham. And I also want to say this is a young Arsenal team, and yep. this is a not a young Spurs team. Like this is a Spurs team that has been through these kind of wars before too. So and with a manager who thrives on these kind of situations. So yeah, I I think Spurs is a banger here uh, to start it off. 
now we're going to flip to Sunday real quick because we got another derby to talk about uh, before we start going down. The 10 a.m. kickoffs on Saturday, 9 a.m. on Sunday, City and United at the Etihad. Man City, you're going to have to lay some wood with them. Minus 300 at bet 365. The Red Devils plus 650. The draw is plus 475. I think the question here is pretty simple. Can you trust the United defense to hold City long enough to be able to nick a counter to steal a goal and maybe make this a game like we saw with what happened with Aston Villa. Like they're obviously a much better team than Aston Villa, but if they, they're, they're going to have to follow that blueprint. And in a weird way, I just don't think that they have the personnel to do it. So that the number is a little tempting on United, but I'll be passing here. BJ, you see this one turning into a little bit of a route. Yeah, I have to take city here just out of principle. So yeah, it's weird because with all of the cancellations uh, due to the queen dying and also the international break, United hasn't played since September 4th in the Premier League. They have played two Europa League matches against Sociedad and, and then Sheriff. They really weren't good against Sociedad. They only had 0.7 XG on 15 shots. They beat Sheriff 2-0, but, I mean, they barely created one and a half expected goals. They allowed 12 Sheriff to get 12 shots off. And, I mean, listen, it's a different manager, and United's playing a different style, more defensive counterattacking style when they have to play bigger sides. But, the last two meetings between these two teams. I mean, City has just absolutely bludgeoned them. I mean, it's the combined XG was 4.6 to 1.1, box entries 45 to 7, and shots 40 to 10. And City's held over 65% possession in both those matches. Pep has just completely dominated them. Now, on the flip side of that, you have to say, okay, well, City hasn't played a big six side yet. Like they've been going going through essentially the bottom half of the table. We can rant and rave how good Holland's been, how they have a plus 12 expected goal differential. That's all good, but they haven't really been tested yet. Like the biggest test they had was against Dortmund in the Champions League, and they were not that good. Like they only created 0.9 XG off 14 shots. They got a lot of touches in the penalty area, like, but Dortmund held up pretty well. They're, they've become a pretty good defensive team, like we've talked about now that they have better center backs. United's look better defensively, and unfortunately, Harry Maguire's injured for this match, so he's not going to play. Um, but I think, yeah, like you said off the top, Michael, can United sit and play in a low block and hold off City and get some chances on the counter? Because we've seen the one team that's been able to cause a lot of problems on the counter was Newcastle against City. I mean, they had boatload of chances and created close to two expected goals against them. Can United repeat that type of blueprint? Um, I'm not so sure right now. You know, the matches against Liverpool and Arsenal, they they won on XG, but they got severely, you know, they didn't hold a lot of possession. They got outshot a ton. And I think the City defense is, once again, just putting the strangleholds on it. I don't think United's going to be able to get it out of their own half. So I'm taking you to City out of principle. Yeah, I do have some value on them. I think they're a good parlay piece. I have them projected at minus 360, but... You know, if you can find a minus one and a half, that's minus 110 or better, I would. there is some value on City for me. The 10 a.m., slate on saturday we got to start with this one it's i think anthony had this match circled a couple weeks ago you might even brought it up in a spot that you really were looking forward to betting our eagles crystal palace uh they're plus 333 at bet 365 at selhurst park hosting grand potters chelsea odds on they're minus 120 on the road draws plus 260 we came into the season really high in crystal palace they didn't pay off and they haven't paid off. A part of that, I think, is due to their schedule. They've already played Arsenal, Liverpool, City, and Newcastle. So this will be their fourth big six side in their first seven matches. They haven't played since September 3rd. They had the pause for the Queen's death and then a rail strike that canceled their match with Brighton. So they're 1-3-2, and win-draw loss, uh, and they're they're near the bottom of the Premier League in basically every defensive category that we think holds weight when it comes to predictive metrics. 
I'm sticking by him. I think this is a good spot against a team that's in disarray, going to have to adjust to a new manager and a place that's really hard to go to and get a result. So I really like Palace on the money line here, plus 333. Anthony, I feel like you've been waiting to talk about this game for a long time. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, Palace has not, if you look at the table, Palace has not particularly performed well to this point in the season. If you look at their underlying numbers, they have not performed well in the season. But, you know, the big thing that's kind of hung over them has been the schedule. And you mentioned it. If you bet them just against the spread, right? They covered against Liverpool. They beat Villa at home. They covered, depending on your number, half cover against City or push. And then they covered against Newcastle on the road. So they've performed relative to the market pretty well. And their expected goals for numbers have not been terrible. Full expected goal against Arsenal, 1.5 Liverpool, three against Villa. Okay, they got the City game. They only had 0.1, but it was kind of weird because of the fact they scored two goals in their first shot. And, you know, Brentford and Newcastle, they get about a one expected goal. So now they come home and they're actually entering a very favorable portion of the schedule where this is a great buy low on them. If you're looking to buy into the top half futures, that's a, this is a great spot. But really, this comes down to Chelsea still not quite solving their issues. Now, the one thing, there is a break for both teams. I think the break probably benefits Chelsea more in this situation just because they get more time with Potter. But a lot of the players would have been away on international duty in the last two weeks. Anyway, from a numbers point of view, I make Chelsea plus 110 to get a to get a result here. I have been lower on Chelsea coming into the season. I remain lower on the Blues as a whole. I think they still have problems uh, with their midfield and their defense. And we saw it against Salzburg. Dominate the ball. Will Potter's possession-centric, but maybe not quite create as many big scoring chances, translate to having better attackers? I don't know. I think that's still kind of a big question mark with the Blues in terms of how they do going forward. But I think this is just a good palace spot at home. Once again, the Eagles at home, we're backing them. Like you said, you're taking on a team that just, they haven't clicked yet. I think there's going to come a time in this this season where Chelsea will they'll inevitably go on a run and they'll probably collect a couple big wins over teams above them in the table or whatever. But until they get to that point, they're a bet against team. For me, especially against a team like Palace getting a number like this at home. BJ, three for three on the Palace, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm on Palace as well, plus half a goal, plus 105. Yeah, I think Anthony brought up a good point about Potter's system and Chelsea's midfield. You know, Potter's system, the possession-based style, it's also really reliant on counter-pressing with those midfielders to win the ball back and, and hold that possession. And I'm not sure Chelsea really has that type of personnel that Potter's had with Brighton in terms of pressing midfielders. You know, you look, Conte's questionable. Jorginho's not that great of a pressing midfielder. So it's, it's, it's there's some question marks surrounding Chelsea. Uh, on the flip side of that, I mean, we have to mention it every time. Crystal Palace against the big six at home since the start of last season, plus 1.1 expected goal differential. They, they're them and Brentford are the only two teams that have actually have a plus positive expected goal differential against the big six at home. And I mean, Chelsea, you know, to date, there's been three matches that I've circled that they've had to play essentially a team who's going to sit in a low block and, and just look to counter them. And they haven't really created much against them. It was Everton in week one. They created 0.9 non-penalty XG. Against West Ham, they created 0.8. And then against Dinamo Zagreb, they only created one. And that ended the Tuchel era. So I believe in Graham Potter. And I believe that he will turn this Chelsea you know, ship around. But it's maybe a little bit too soon in his era to start buying in on Graham Potter. He needs a little bit more time to get his system ready to go. So yeah, I'm with you guys purely. Like Anthony, I make Chelsea plus 118 for this match. So I'm taking Crystal Palace as well. All three of us on Crystal Palace. So you know what that means. Get your Chelsea bets in now. 
mm-hmm. let's move to Bournemouth and Brentford. Bournemouth at home, plus 230 on the south coast. Brentford, plus 120 on the road. The draw is plus 240 at Bet365. The Cherries, man, 20th in expected goals for shots and big chances created this season. Yet they're hanging around the mid-table. It's hilarious. We've talked about it a couple times. Gary O'Neill, since taking over, they've got a win and two draws. No losses, but they've created under one expected goal in each of those matches. So I don't think that their offense is good enough to cause Brentford the trouble that you look for when you're you're trying to beat Brentford uh, as a favorite. So I think this opens the door for the Bees. We don't typically bet them when they're this short, but I think this Bournemouth team is against these like kind of mid-table sides, especially at home when they're you're still getting like a plus number. It, it, it might be worth it. So I'm going to be on Brentford here, uh, which I wasn't expecting to be like when, before I looked at the, the lines for all these matches, I was like, I, I, I was assuming Brentford was going to be too short. They're not. So I actually like the number here, BJ, what about you? Yeah. But well, first off, I need to make a point here is, is Bournemouth going to hire a manager? Like it seemed like, I mean, why would you, break, you know, like you could, I mean, international just, break would have been a good time. Like if you're going to fire Scott Parker, I mean, were you, thinking that Gary O'Neill was going to be the answer. I don't know. That's just, that's no, just, but, I mean, I think what they're doing is he, he bought them more time and then yeah. there's another huge international break coming right. in a couple of weeks. So that's true. you can just kind point. of see if he could see sort of yep. through, but that's you're right. Point. Yeah, you're right. Um, and, yeah, then, yeah, so, and then they can figure out like, all right, do we need to bring in, you know, a Sam Allardyce type or can we bring someone in mm. who's more of that, like more progressive style? So, Sean uh, um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I like Brentford in this match too. I have them projected a plus plus one ten, So not a lot of value here for me, but I mean, I went through it on the last spot. I mean, Bournemouth's offense, like the goal they had against Newcastle, that was their first big scoring chance created on the season. Like that's how bad their offense has been. They've created 2.6 expected goals from open play. And we're at seven matches in. They're averaging less than seven shots match and seven box entries per 90. Like they are truly, really, really bad offensively. And Brentford, I mean, they're average. They've been pretty average defensively. Like they're 11th in non-penalty XG allowed. But Anthony mentioned it on the last pod. They do such a good job at preventing you from getting inside their box. Like they're seventh in box entries allowed. They're second in crosses allowed into their penalty area. So I really have a hard time seeing how Bournemouth is going to even create one expected goal in this match. And I think the question we have to ask, if you're going to take Brentford is you, if you have to ask it, can Brentford break down a low block? And I believe the answer to that is yes, because what we've seen is that, yes, Brentford's got some impressive offensive numbers. They're averaging close to 1.5 non-penalty XG per 90, and they've created 12 big scoring chances. But two matches in particular where they were playing from behind and they had to break down a low block, it was Everton and it was Crystal Palace. And in those two matches, they created a combined 4.1 XG and had 68 touches in the penalty area. So... I really like Brentford in the spot. Bournemouth does have a couple of injuries to deal with. One of their best attackers, David Brooks, is out. Their best center back, Lloyd Kelly, is out. You know, the Bournemouth defense against non-big six sides has allowed 10.8 XG in four matches. So I think this is a good spot for the Bees. You know, I know we talked about it a lot last year how they weren't that good on the road comparatively at home. I think this is a good spot to back them on the road. So I like the Bees plus 120. Yeah, I like the under. Personally, you know, you look at the finishing tables. Both Bournemouth and Brentford top five in goals minus expected goals this season. So they've run well, really, really well offensively. And if you switch it to how poorly have their defenses run, well, nobody's run worse than Leicester. But the next two teams are Bournemouth and Brentford. Oh, we'll get so to them. From from from, a, I mean, I, I don't know what to do anymore. But from a from a perspective of that, you mentioned you guys have talked about how bad this Bournemouth attack is. I think 
the biggest question mark for Brentford has been, can they travel with their attack? Their attack has struggled to create as many chances at home. I think something about the set piece stuff, not traveling maybe as well as it does at home where uh, you get the crowd behind them. I don't have a logic behind it, but the bees attack has not traveled nearly as well as it's been at home. And this is just a classic sell high on two attacks that have finished and created chances really in the Brentford case at a rate much better than I think they will going forward. A good sell high spot on both attacks. I like under two and a half. We'll say at 10 a.m. First, it's another Saturday kickoff. Fulham plus 220 at home, hosting Newcastle. Uh, road favorite plus 125 at Bet365. The draw here is plus 240. Fulham is in sixth place right now. Didn't think I'd be saying that on September 28th. Obviously, there's some scheduling Top-promoted stuff. team, baby. Yeah, so yep. some scheduling Just stuff. Just eking out Bournemouth, rather. Yeah, exactly. They're in sixth, uh, but they have the 15th best expected goal differential. And they've lost, they just lost the expected goal battle to not enforced in a 3-2 win for Fulham. So at some point, the bottom's going to come out here for the Cottagers. Meanwhile, Newcastle, 1-5-1 and one win, draw, loss. Do you know their, their only win? I just realized this today. I was like, when's the last time Newcastle won? Opening, Opening weekend yeah. was their only win. Six matches without a win for Eddie Howe's side. Uh, they're in 10th, but they have the fifth best expected goal differential. And like kind of with the Brentford logic here, I think you're betting against Newcastle is a much, much better team here. A much, much better team. You're catching them in a, in a very weird patch of form with the six game winless streak here. And Fulham is going to start trending down. So I'm going to do something I very rarely do. Back the Magpies, I think, as a road favorite. So that's two short road favorites in a row for me here. Anthony, what do you like? What have you become? It's weird. Uh, yeah, I, I lean toward Newcastle. I can't quite get there on the number. I think I just love Fulham so much that I consistently, I mean, I've had, had success betting on them, but I also lean toward the under here. This is just, I mean, this Fulham attack continues to surprise me. They looked completely lifeless in the first half on the road uh, on the road at Forest way back before the break. That was the Friday match. I was feeling good about my under two and a half. And then they got a set piece goal and then Forrest just completely collapsed. I'm not sure still what happened in that match, but uh, this Fulham attack continues to be one due to regress. Newcastle, we've talked about it. This is a good buy low spot on them in a way. Uh, they get a break to reset. They've played much better than their numbers. They're in the bottom half of the table. Despite very good underlying numbers, Fulham is in the top half of the table, despite not nearly as good underlying numbers. So I do think regression is coming for Fulham. For sure, they are not a top half team. But uh, overall, I just a couple of leans here. Not sure I'll end up getting to the number. Uh, this is a good time to remind you, you can follow our bets in the Action Network app. It's The username is Podcast, all one word. And you can see our favorite bets for every week and the three underdogs we're going to be picking. Speaking of underdogs, Brighton, 8-1 to one on the road, traveling to Liverpool, uh, minus 300. The draw here is plus 425. Uh, I, I say this a lot when it comes to prices like this on good teams that – you, you can look at the numbers. They'll help you get to a certain point uh, when it comes time to make a decision. It can be just as simple as, is it worth passing up 8-1 to one on what's been the seventh best team in the Premier League this season? And maybe a little bit better than that uh, in, in Brighton. And I think the answer is no. You should, even though Liverpool is getting healthier and I expect them to start charging their way up the table, this is not this has not been a healthy matchup for them. Graham Potter, when he was in charge of Brighton, like he, they were getting results against Liverpool. They had that great draw last year. That was at Anfield, right? With with Mwepu's goal, and so this is this is a team at eight to one. You should just not really shake your head at. Meanwhile, you two are going to be on the sidelines, uh, BJ. Why, yeah, why, I mean, no, why no love here? Why no love for Brighton? 
Yeah, it's it's a number for me. I mean, it's kind of low on Liverpool, minus two seventy five. I know I know we love Brighton, but that's a, that's quite a low number. Um, they haven't been good. Lot, they have been good, and you know what? We have to also have to talk about Brighton's new manager because I mean, you mentioned on the last pod, this is a very well run club, and they made the perfect hire. They went and yeah, got like the hire too from Shakhtar. I mean, he, if you look at he's he was a manager at Sassuolo for three years before that. He's very possession dominant. Same thing that Potter was. He loves to counter press. It's similar. Like the styles are very, very similar. And I was listening to an interview that he did, and he was talking about how he wants his teams to play out from the back. And you know, he doesn't want to play it long because if he plays it long, he says, "Then I'm making a bet." He goes, "I don't like to bet." So I tell my guys that we need to play it out from the back. So it's going to be pretty much the same, similar type system for Brighton. So I think the Brighton train is going to continue on even without Potter. I really do believe in Deserby. I've read a ton of stuff about him. He seems like a really intelligent young manager who's worked his way up through the Italian, you know, system from you know sixth, seventh division all the way up to the top flight. Very similar to how Potter did it. So. I truly believe in this guy. He plays the exact same system as far as this match is concerned. I mean, Liverpool still does have some injuries we have to deal with here. And it is the first match in not really a new system, but under a new manager. So I need to see one match with the Zerbi before I decide to jump back in on the Seagulls. And I don't, it would, I think it would be kind of irresponsible for me to just jump back in, especially at this low of a number. Now, if Liverpool gets steamed and I can get Brighton plus one and a half at, let's say, even money or better. I'm going to do that. But other than that, I'm going to sit on the sidelines and watch the Zerbi in his first match. Or you could just bypass could. the goal and a half and, and, and hop and hop on and hop on yeah, the eight to one. I mean, I could, we'll see uh, what happens. I'm saying. Let's hope Liverpool gets steamed. Anthony, anything for you here uh, real quick. Yeah. I also lean toward Brighton, but I think BJ hit the nail on the head. The market has downgraded Liverpool quite a bit. I thought we'd get two here, even at a goal and a quarter, I think or three quarters, I think I'd be in on Brighton, but the number is just too low now. And Liverpool looked extremely impressive at home against Ajax. I think there could be a bounce back coming for the Reds in terms of performance. That being said, the defense, I think, still will remain vulnerable. I do continue to believe that that defense that we saw last year will not be repeated. And and they have regressed. So I think that from a numbers point of view, I can't get there. But I do see the case for the Brighton. And I would not fault anybody for betting them at any time in this situation. Yeah, how are they going to contend with two of the best players of the world, Leandro Trossard and, and Pascal Gross. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys are magic. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk about the headliner for, for the weekend. And another bright young manager, Frank Lampard and his toffees. Get on this train right now before everyone oh, else gets they on. Less Get, than 0.6 expected goals it, against West Ham. They they won one nil. They looked fine. They were in control of that game. Uh, Southampton uh, is hosting Everton. Saints plus 115 at bet365. Everton plus 240. The draw also 240. Pickford, Jordan Pickford is, remains out. Nathan Patterson, that's actually a big loss as well. Looked really good. Best Scottish fullback I've ever seen. And um, but <laughs> Everton, they, they're unbeaten. They're unbeaten since August 13th. Oh, their last man. their last loss came in uh, Gerard versus Lampard on, on August 13th. They're one four and two win draw loss on the season. Five goals for six goals against 11 total goals on the season. And uh, Everton matches 1.57 per. I bet you guys know this, but you know the only team in the Premier League with a lower total goals per match on the season? Wolves. Wolves. The Saints offense, I think Everton's defense has improved. The numbers are going to start to show it soon. They're very solid with with Cody and Tarkovsky. And 
Adrisa Gay and then protecting them and just kind of putting out the little fires. Uh, meanwhile, Southampton str- continues to struggle generating scoring chances. 17th in, in non-penalty expectables and below average. 12th in creating big scoring chances. And like I said in our last time when I highlighted Everton as my favorite bet over West Ham, you could just see that the team is pulling in the in the right direction. Like they're pulling in, in the same direction. Everyone is on the same page. This is a team that's kind of built in the image of the manager for the first time at Everton in a long time, because think about the guys who the turnover in the dugout just forever. So there, there's, there was all this dead weight and they're finally starting to be a cohesive unit. I think they're going to just continue to trend up. I think it's a good number here. I think Everton are the better team than Southampton as well. So I'll take another road team here. Plus 240, the Toffees, BJ. Come on. I'm scrolling the injury report. I got, I was like, Oh, is he not going to be on here? Oh, it looks like Dominic Calvert-Lewin's out again. Hmm. That's we don't need him. We got Neil Mopai. Did you see what he did? Yeah, Neil yeah. Mopai did Gary have a great goal. Out. Nathan Patterson's out. Townsend's out. Pickford's out. I mean, yeah. I mean, but Begovic, I mean, on. clean cannot, sheet, only clean sheet of the season. Irresponsible to play Everton at this number. This is the match that Everton just got absolutely blasted by Southampton and Lampard's. I believe it was his second or third match in charge <laughs> when he took over Everton. I mean, Southampton beat them. They won on XG two to to point three. Everton just can't create going forward. I'm sorry. Like their offense is just bad. Like they're, they're decent at playing a low block. Like I, I, I get it. Like Tarkovsky and Cody are like the two prototypical center backs. You'd want to just sit and play in a low block, but definitely not playing Southampton as a favorite. I think the number is about correct here. So I am passing, but these Everton injuries. Yeah. I cannot get behind them with this injury report right here. They have the best midfield trio in the premier league right now with Onana, Ghana and Awobi who's Awobi's turned into Leo Messi over the past six months or so. So I'm going to keep trying to convince you guys that this Everton team is, is going to pay you back and they've already started to a little bit. So maybe next episode when they take on man United in their next match. Okay. I'll be in there. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you stole yeah. me. All right. Uh, let's go to the 12 30 PM game on Saturday. Boy, putting West Ham and Wolves as a standalone match on Saturday, right after college football kicks off. I don't know how many people are going to be watching this one. I will be watching it uh, because I like Wolves. They're plus 320 on the road. West Ham minus 110. The draw is plus 250. This is as much a fade of West Ham as it is a bet on Wolves. They just shouldn't be odds on against anybody, maybe outside of Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth in the Premier League right now. 18th in creating expected goals, 17th in shots per 90, 16th in big chances. The Wolves offense, we know doesn't create much going forward. And then the ones, the, the, the chances they do create, they don't finish. But both of these teams are decent defensively. We said it the last time we talked about West Ham. They're, they're starting to look much more like your prototypical Moisean, David Moyes side. Good defense, offense could use a little work, but Wolves are just as good defensively. So I think you're getting a really good number here to take on West Ham. You know, my, When you look at it that way, it's a little different from saying like, oh, you're getting a good number of Wolves, but I think you're just getting a good number to go against West Ham. So I'll be on Wolverhampton. Anthony, what do you have? Yeah, you know, I think we have two kind of, I don't want to say desperate teams, but teams that have definitely seen pressure, you know, from a narrative point of view, there's pressure on both managers to create more than they have and to score more than they have at this point of the season. And I think this is a good buy low on both attacks. I know what, you know, the Wolves have created six expected goals, 6.2 in seven matches, uh, but West Ham have created even less. So or 6.3, depending, you know, so basically the same amount, neither attack's been any good, but I also think from a, from a regression point of view, both teams have only scored three. So a lot of that has come from bad finishing variants. I don't expect that to continue for these two clubs forever. We saw even wolves as bad as they were last year in terms of creating chances. They did finish right around those, uh, their XG numbers for the season uh, in attack defense, not as much. 
Uh, and I think that overall you're going to get a more open game than maybe you will anticipate. The market is just too low on both teams to score at minus 100. So I bet it. All right. Now we'll flip the page to Sunday morning. And we talked about styles making fights right off the top with Spurs and Arsenal. I don't know if you can get two more different mid-table clubs and leads and Aston Villa leads at home plus 137 at bet 365 Villa plus 200. Boy, this Villa offense, Anthony, I know these are your boys because the Steven Gerrard connection and then Both your connection to boys. Liverpool. But you as you say, this is you also are a big, big leads guy as well. I'll just turn it over to you because I got nothing here. I, I want to bet leads, but I think the number is just a little too short. Yeah, I generally agree. I actually lean leads here. If they were to get, you know, I know BJ kind of leans the other way. From a stylistic point of view, I think this is a fascinating contrast in a way because of how Leeds want to play quickly, but Villa are not going to let them do that. Leeds being at home, the onus is on them to create chances. And so I think that uh, kind of plays into the Villa counterattacking mold a little bit better. Villa did get an important win in their last match, but they didn't look great doing it. There wasn't a ton of chances created. It was kind of the, we're going to win one no with pretty mediocre attacking numbers and not give you anything, which is basically what happened. Uh, Villa were the deserving winners, but you know, they, they didn't come away from that match thinking, Oh yes, Villa have figured out their attacking problems uh, and leads. They had a couple of bad results, but I'm not out on them at all, but I, I just can't bet them as a favorite here. So uh, I'm passing. Hey, BJ, would this, if, if leads do get steamed, would this be your first bet on Aston Villa of the season? It's got to be close. I'll, I'll back the syndicate here. Here's a broader question. Who's the better manager? I don't know if I know the answer to that question. I but don't either. What I will say is yeah. that Aston Villa has done a fantastic job at stopping teams from not only getting inside their penalty box, but progressing the ball up the field. I mean, they're top six in all of those categories. I mean, defensively, they're 13th in non-penalty expected goals, but they're not allowing a lot of shots. They're top eight, they're top 10 in big scoring chances allowed. And this match last season, I think it was March's second or third in charge. I mean, Aston Villa beat them pretty handily. I mean, Lee's created 0.2 expected goals. They only had like 10 touches in their penalty area. Like it was a very dominant, what Steven Gerrard is looking for from his Aston Villa type team. And can they repeat that here? Um, I'm not so sure, but I need a better number. Like I cannot bet Villa draw no bet at a, like a short plus money. Like I need them plus half a goal at minus 130 or better right now, because the reality reality is that Aston Villa, the last four matches, they haven't created over one expected goal. Like the last one they did, it was against Palace. And that was a lot of that had to do with garbage time. So yeah, I uh, cannot back this Aston Villa attack. So that's why I need plus half a goal because if the reality is, is I need the protection of them getting a draw in this match. But I do think generally that leads is a tad overvalued generally in the market. All right, let's move to Monday night football. This is a great one. This is a very important one for me. I bet Leicester to be last at Christmas at 40 to one before the season starts. And this is basically the Super Bowl. This is the playoff decider here. This Leicester City. Monday night. This is a perfect this Monday. Is, yeah, this is what you want. Like, I wish it was a little colder out because this is this is like the perfect. The, the sun's kind of going down by the, the middle of the second half of Leicester. They're minus 134 at home hosting Nottingham Forest plus 333. The draw here is three to one. Both teams are a mess for different reasons. Whereas Leicester is like a lame duck and feels stale. Nottingham Forest are a mess because we, we they don't know each other. And then you look at the stats and it bears out. The Foxes are 18th in shots per 90 against 19th at big chances, 14th in expected goals for like the defensive and offensive metrics for Leicester are just absurdly bad for a team that has been so solid for, you know, half a, more than half a decade now, you know, seven, eight years. And 
it's weird to see them at the bottom of the table, but it's not surprising because we kind of all knew that the bottom was going to fall out on this team. And there's no way I would lay minus 134 on this team, no matter who they were playing. They could be playing Scunthorpe, and I don't think I would be laying it. BJ, I'm not going to go bet Forrest. I'm just going to root for Forrest because of my my future, but... I'm going to bet Forrest. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> plus half a goal. Easy as pass one, on the board for me. Plus one. <laughs> on a Monday night. When it gets to 2.57 p.m. Eastern on Monday. The Everton Southampton match is the easiest pass on the board. You guys need help. I mean, what has Lester done to deserve to be minus 130? I mean, you said it, Michael. I don't, even offensively, like they've done a really good job. Like the two things they've done really well offensively. They've played through pressure well. And they've progressed the ball up the field really well, which is not surprising because they have Tielemans, they have James Madison, like they have good attacking players, but they cannot do anything in the final third. I mean, they have 7.2 expected goals in seven matches. They've created just two big scoring chances and they might have maybe the worst goalkeeper the Premier League has ever seen in Danny Ward. I mean, it is shocking <laughs> how bad he is. He is at a minus... Sounds hyperbolic, but it's not. Minus 6.1 post-shot expected goal differential, and he's played seven matches. <laughs> like, he is almost allowing in a goal more than he should in every single match. That is insanity, how bad he has been. And I mean, this is still, now that Lester has sold Fofana... Like this is still the same defense that we saw last year that allowed over 1.6 expected goals per match. Plus you saw what Tottenham did to them on Saturday. They put on just a counterattacking clinic from sitting deep and going forward. Well, that's the same style that Nottingham Forest plays. Now I'm not trying to sit here and say that Nottingham Forest is going to be able to do what Tottenham did. But with that being said, the one team that I believe benefited most from this break was Nottingham Forest because of all the new players that they had. They actually had time to, to sit on other. the training ground and figure <laughs> something out rather than just saying, okay, we played Saturday. All right, we got training on Monday. Oops, but we got a game on Wednesday, so we got to prepare for that one. Like They actually have some time to sit down and, and, and play as a team and figure out how they're going to work in Steve Cooper's system. So, I mean, listen, they've, all the numbers say that they've been bad. Like they've allowed the most expected goals. Like they're allowing a ton of shots. They've allowed nine big scoring chances. Like it's, it's been bad, but the one thing that I'm holding on to is that I think Forrest is going to start working their way out of the relegation zone because they do have talent. Like, like I get it, like buying 19 players, like half of them fit the system. Half of them don't like how and the K and the Keita, those, those two guys really fit the system. Cause that's how they played in their teams in the Bundesliga adding Jesse Lingard and other guys like that, uh, not so much fitting, fitting into a, a three, five, two system. So I'm taking the trees plus one fifteen <laughs> plus half a goal. I only have Lester projected at minus one Oh two. I'm just, I'm going to fade Lester. Oh. I don't, I don't really know what else to say other than like, I should there's some value. There's some I'll value in Nottingham there. forest. There's some value in Nottingham forest. It's a standalone Monday match. Yeah. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's like a fascinating one. We're going to learn a lot from this match. And, I'll say and, that. and the reactions are going to be great because like, I mean, yep. if, if Forrest do pull it off, there's no also, way Brendan Rodgers is getting out of that building with a job. And well, the funny thing about I that mean, is it, I isn't read, it a money issue. Yeah. I read that it's a money issue that they, they right, because they would have fired him pay, weeks ago. They can't afford to pay. It was just jobs. At the same time. Yeah. So they, Brendan Rodgers might just sit there and get this team relegated, <laughs> which is the other thing. Like, this is why I'm saying like, this is a very strange situation with Lester. I'm not saying that I, I foresaw it getting this strange way. I made that bet before the season. I just thought, yeah, yeah. Like I could see like it. Like Madison's and I gone. Knew that the, Madison's and, gone in January. Like that's happening yeah. no matter what. Like he's probably it, going to Newcastle in January. 
the thing that was the strangest part and the one that I was like, okay, was the Casper Schmeichel thing. Like, just like kind of like very quietly, a club legend goes to Nice. All right. I mean, and, and I get that, you know, Schmeichel's not like a, a world beating goalkeeper, but it's just no, like the back, the drop off is pretty big. Yeah. And yeah, you're going from Schmeichel to, to, I'll, to I'll say it again for everybody out there. Danny Ward might be a net for Wales at the World Cup. Or Wayne Hennessy, who's got his own issues. All right, so that wraps up the Premier League for us. We'll start jaunting around Europe, uh, giving out some of our favorite bets in the other big five leagues. But first, a uh, reminder, Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365 exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game. Get 200 free. All right, let's talk Bundesliga. Uh, Anthony, you can go first. Yeah, I'm going to take another Dortmund under. How about those bets? I think those are the only uh, bets I win nowadays. But uh, Dortmund under three against Köln. Köln's attack uh, has been inflated by a couple of games with red card situations early in the season. When you look across the board at the entire year, though, it's been very underwhelming. And I think they've kind of struggled to replace the loss of Anthony Modest. And they have not... And not to say that Modest is some world beater, but he does play for the other team now. And Modest has not fit in particularly well at Dortmund. So I think you're getting kind of a uh, of an interesting situation where both teams have kind of lost their top striker and not successfully been able to replace him. And these Dortmund defensive numbers continue to be impressive. I mean, they dominated the match against Schalke in the uh, Revere Derby, held Schalke to basically nothing. Uh, but they themselves couldn't really create much of anything going forward. If the final XG was 1.6 to 0.1 Dortmund scoring late. So I'm impressed by the defense and the defense showed itself really well in the game against city as well with 0.9 expected goals. So I think this is still an underrated defense going on the road to Colm where it's going to be a, you know, a difficult match for them to go get all three points. I think Colm will represent defensively. They played well defensively this season point, but the attack is still so inflated by these red card games for me. I, it's a bet. I don't want to do at all. Um, Cause I hate both these teams that I, I don't think I've ever won a bet on Bayern Leverkusen. I don't think I've ever won a bet against Bayern Munich, but I'm going to take Leverkusen on the money line at uh, six and a half to one. It's simple. Like we know that this Leverkusen team is better than what their actual results are. The difference between their expected goals and actual goal differentials about four and a half goals. And Bayern has had a very strange season to start. Uh, maybe they life without Robert Lewandowski isn't as simple as you'd imagine. So I just think it, it you're getting a good team at, at a great number. So six and a half to one, it's going to lose. I think Bayern storms them, but whatever. I'll play the number six plus 650 on Bayern Leverkusen for me. That's how you sell a bet. BJ, what do you have? Well, on that topic, I cannot believe that there were even rumors out there that Nagelsmann might get sacked for Tuchel. I could not believe that when I heard it because he would get snatched up in like an instant by any other club in the world. Let's go back Ooh, to Union Berlin. There's because not really any, who's the open job? I don't know what the open job is, but if there was one, Anthony, they would snatch him up. Okay, that's the point. Maybe Liverpool after they lose to Brighton. Exactly. And maybe Leicester. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Let's go back to Union Berlin. Like we did last week because uh, they did it again. Like that, no more. Good, like they had a good performance against Wolfsburg. They're playing Frankfurt, who a team I as, as you go, everybody knows, listen to this podcast that I really do not like. I'm gonna go both teams to score now at plus one ten. What's interesting about this line is that the books know that Union Berlin is drastically overperforming. Like the first place team in the Bundesliga is over two to one against an overperforming Frankfurt team, which I think the lines actually close to correct. But with that being said, I mean, let's reiterate what Union Berlin has done offensively. If you didn't listen to the podcast last week, 15 goals, 
off of 5.7 expected. They've allowed four goals off of only 6.7 expected. So they're allowing under one expected goal per match, but 40 shots from inside the penalty area. It's third and less than Bundesliga. They have the third fewest progressive passes. They're the worst team in passes per defensive action and high turnovers, but they've completed the most crosses into the penalty area. This is a 3-5-2, just like Michael mentioned last week, dark magic team where it's basically just get the, once you get the ball back, just fling it up to the strikers and let's hope we can win a two on three. On the flip side of that, Frankfurt, they've been overperforming offensively. Again, they have, 14 goals off of 9.7 expected 3.1 of that came in a mat, a, a weird match against RB Leipzig. So essentially they've created 6.6 expected goals in their other six matches. They've scored five goals off of set pieces. And you want to know who the best set piece defense is in the Bundesliga. That's right. It's Union Berlin. They've they're allowing 0.05 XG per set piece. So this line should not be plus money. I have both teams to score. No projected at minus 125. So can be both teams to score. No plus 110. I wonder Geraldo Becker. I was going to say it. Jordan Pifak are top five in all of Europe in finishing, both on the same team. Pretty. Do you think there's anybody out there on the entire planet with the Geraldo Becker Bundesliga Golden Boot ticket? If you are, yeah, hats off. Yeah, please. We'll have you on the pod. You can have my job. We'll get you. You have my job. Yeah. Uh, All right, La Liga now. BJ, you and I are in the same game, so I'll just go right back to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, how, how could we not fade Sevilla with Atletico? I mean, this is simple. Just, I mean, Atletico is plus 150 here. Kind of surprised they're not sitting around plus 130, plus 120 in this match. I mean, Anthony mentioned it last week. This Sevilla defense is so, so bad. We were texting back and forth at the end of the Villarreal match. Villarreal missed, what, like five chances, Anthony, towards the end just to win that match. It was brutal to watch. But Sevilla has now allowed close, has allowed 1.11 and a half expected goals in six matches that is the most in La Liga, except for Elche, who is way in dead last right now. But what's even more concerning for Sevilla defensively is that if you look at their XG per shot from inside the penalty area, not the six-yard box, not outside the box, they're at 0.21. The average around Europe is around 0.13, 0.14, somewhere around there. They're, that is the worst mark in all of Europe. 0.21, when, when you're allowing close to eight shots from inside the penalty area per match, like that is very, very concerning. And I get it. Atletico hasn't been that great in La Liga. They only have a plus 0.7 expected goal differential, but they looked good against Real Madrid. Like Real Madrid, yeah, they, they scored two goals off of six shots. Like, you know, that's what Real Madrid does. And Atletico did create close to one expected goal in that match. So uh, this is a simple just projection value for me. Like I have Atletico as a, a pretty decent, you know, even money favorite here. So give me Diego Simeone, draw no bet at minus 130. Yeah, I'm gonna take the money line on Atleti plus 145. Anthony maybe joining. I might. I might even bet Atleti myself. <laughs> what? I, I know. I know. It's sickening. He's an uh, Atleti guy. The Sevilla, I mean, the Sevilla. The Sevilla clip is real. But I, I think my best bet here. Actually, I don't think I know my best bet here is uh, Celta Vigo uh, minus 125 on the draw no bet line at home against Real Betis. And you look at the underlying numbers, and it kind of tells you the buy low sell high nature of this matchup. Real Betis has somehow won five of their six matches, but their only loss coming to Real Madrid uh, with a plus six goal difference. It's pretty hard to do. You're winning every game by one goal, pretty much. Uh, And their expected goal difference is basically even 8.94, 8.2 against. Whereas Celta Vigo has had a bit of a misrun of fortune. It, some of it's driven by uh, the defense is finishing really well against them. Real Madrid ran up a big number. Atleti ran up a big number, but they actually played decently well in those games uh, and kind of folded late on some variants. So I'm been encouraged by Vigo. I like them at home here. 
on the Toronto bet line. I think these two teams are closer than the market suggests. So I can get them at home. Nothing for, for me or Anthony in Italy this weekend, BJ. So what do you got for us in Syria? Ah. Yeah, I like a little bit of relegation battle in Syria this weekend. I like Lecce plus 105 at home against Cremonese. These are two newly promoted teams squaring off early this season, which means we can go back to Serie Bay last season and we can see that Lecce dominated both matches. The first one was the opening match of the season. Cremonese won it 3 nothing, but Lecce won on expected goals 2 to 1.5. The second match, Lecce won 2-1, won on expected goals 1.8 to 0.7. This Cremonese team... I think it's safe to say at this point that them along with Monza are the two worst teams in Serie A right now. I will say though, Criminese has played a very brutal schedule to open up their newly promoted season. I mean, the, the worst team they've played is Sassuolo, who is a mid table club. So that should tell you how hard their schedule has been. But with that being said, they have allowed 15.3 expected goals in seven matches. They've allowed 132 shots in seven matches, which is around 19 per match. That's very, very concerning. Lecce has played a difficult schedule as well, but what they have done is they have played essentially three, what I would consider relegation type teams in Salernitana and Poli and Monza. And in those three matches, they have a plus 1.3 expected goal differential, and they've only allowed 1.2 expected goals. So um, I do like Lecce uh, a lot in this match. They were by far the better team in, in the second division last season. They had a plus 0.6 expected goal differential per 90, while Cremonese was only at plus 1.6. So uh, I have them projected at minus 127. So give me them at plus 105 to get all three points at home. League 1 now, Anthony. You have a pick for us in France. Yeah, I'll tell you what, we haven't, you know, we don't talk about Ligue 1 that much on this podcast. One of the most bizarre starts in all of Europe mm-hmm. has been this Strasbourg start. I mean, we yep. talked about that on our preview pod. We mentioned them as a potential dark horse. They had really good underlying numbers last year. Uh, they probably weren't going to match those numbers, but they probably also weren't going to uh, win none of their first eight games <laughs> in, in Ligue 1. And, and a lot of that's been some poor variants. Uh, five draws, a couple of them very unlucky, a couple of them very late. I think you're getting a very good all-in by low home spot against Bren, who I continue to believe is overrated. So I like the Strasbourg boys. Uh, pick them plus 120 at home here. And BJ. I'm going with uh, Auger. Uh, draw no bets at even money at home against Stade de Bressois, who I spoke about in the last podcast. And they... Uh, continue to just look very, very below average. I mean, their last five matches, they're at one, they're at a 2.5 expected goals for and about 8.9 against. Like they've been really, really bad. They've been struggling to find an identity of what type of formation they're going to play. This past week, they went from essentially a 4 3 3, then they decided they want to play a 4 2 3 1. And against PSG, they were like, no, we're going to play a 3-4-3. And then now against against the Jocks, they're like, no, we're going to play a 3-5-2. Like, it's just, it's all over the map with this team. They don't know what style they want to play. Auger does have the worst expected goal differential in France, but they've been, had a pretty tough schedule. They had a really bad run where they had to play Lyon, Marseille, and Rennes, and they just got the, their doors blown off. Uh, they got a un, pretty unfair result against Lorient in their last match. But this was a good team uh, in the second division last season, had around a plus 0.6 XG differential per 90. And I really I just don't think they should be slight underdogs at home against a started Bressois team that uh, I see as near the bottom five in league on. So give me Auger, draw no bet at even money. All right. Uh, now on to our three, like underdog money line parlay. Honestly, 
it feels like we haven't done a show for months because of the weird schedule and then the international breaks. So I can't even tell you how close we were last time, but we were definitely very close. Uh, BJ, who's your favorite underdog? Work. I think we got blanked last time. Um, <laughs> that was our first week of the year. We got blanked. Yeah, yeah it was actually. Yeah. I, I think I ended up on underdogs were what? Plus three, I think on the year plus three units. So more than that, more. I think more than I that. Pull, I have to, I have to pull it up. Yeah. It's somewhere around. Pull, there. It's something um, like that. Yeah. Um, Anthony just mentioned it. How about Strasbourg two to one against Ren? Uh, I mean, well, you know, I agree with everything Anthony said, like this team has just run horribly to start the season. Like they're going to bounce back at some point. You know, the biggest thing I held on to when we were doing our preview pod was they didn't lose anybody. Like they kept their same core of guys together. So um, I'm betting that this team is going to turn around and they played Ren towards the end of last season and they just completely dominated them. Won 2.6 to 0.9 and actually won the match two one at home. So uh, a two to one for a team that hasn't won a match, but I think it's a good by low spot. I agree with Anthony and give me Strasbourg two to one. Uh, for me, it's, oh, Wolves plus 320. Uh, they're taking on West Ham. This is going to be an ugly one. Standalone game on Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Will not be a good advert for uh, the Premier League. Both of these teams have scored just three goals in their seven matches. But they're both due for a little offensive regression. Both teams feature what you'd call like, you know, top 10 defenses in the Premier League as well. So I think this game turns into a rock fight. In those kind of situations, I love the underdog. And it simply just comes down to the fact that West Ham shouldn't be odds on against any team at or near Wolves' level. So plus 320 to go against West Ham is well worth it. So I'll take Wolverhampton to get the job done against David Moyes and West Ham. Game of the weekend in Italy, Inter Milan against Roma. The battle of the underperformers to begin the season. Don't have a play on the side necessarily, but I do not dislike a shot on Roma who's created 15 expected goals uh, if they continue to create at those levels. They will have an outburst kind of game. And there's some pretty concerning indicators of Samir Handanovic in the goal for Inter. He's had a really bad start to the season. Uh, that's why Inter have underperformed so much. I think it's very interesting, uh, this matchup in general, because both teams have underperformed so much, but I'm going to take a shot on the underdog for similar reasons that Michael said. I think that either team could go off at any point. And in that case, I'll take the chance on the dog. If you parlay Strasbourg, Roma, and Wolverhampton together, three legs, 44 to one uh, would be your payout. And now on to our favorite bets uh, in the Premier League for the upcoming match week. BJ, let's start with you. Crystal Palace plus half a goal, plus 105 at home against Chelsea. If you look at all of Crystal Palace's defensive numbers, they are not anywhere near where they were in the Premier League last season. They haven't held an opponent under one expected goal, but they have played a tough schedule. They played three big six sides, and this is another match against a big six side where who are coming to Selhurst Park since the start of last season. Crystal Palace has a plus 1.1 expected goal differential against the big six at home. That's incredibly impressive. Chelsea does have a new manager in Graham Potter who we all truly believe in, but this is only a second match in charge. So it's going to take some time for him to get his system together. This is a good spot for a Crystal Palace team that has ran pretty poorly against a tough schedule. So give me the Eagles plus half a goal at plus 105 at home. The game of the weekend, North London Derby between Arsenal and Tottenham. I like Spurs plus 250 is my favorite bet. I think, all of us on this podcast can agree, and everyone who will watch the game no. will agree. These two teams, uh, the margins are razor thin. Uh, Arsenal's at home, but Spurs, in a matchup with where, where the margins are just so, so thin, the stylistic matchup should benefit Tottenham. And that puts me on them. Plus 250. Sorry, BJ. I certainly hope you're right. I'm on under two and a half in the Bournemouth-Brentford game. The two of the top five over, overperforming attacks in the entire league 
you look at goals, minus expected goals, Manchester City, Arsenal, Tottenham in the top five, doesn't shock you given the quality of attackers in those groups. Brentford and Bournemouth should shock you. Both these attacks have run extremely well to this point in the season. Meanwhile, Bournemouth is 20th in expected goals created. They've been pretty bad offensively, and they've just kind of clawed some goals out of nothing. Meanwhile, the other end of the pitch, both teams in the bottom three and underperforming defensively as well. Neither defense is quite as bad as the numbers have looked thus far. Hold your nose, but under two and a half in this matchup, that should be pretty low scoring with Brentford on the road, not nearly as strong offensively. And that'll do it uh, for another episode of Wonder Goal for Anthony DeBundo, for BJ Cunningham. I'm Michael Leboff. Uh, once again, we are reminding you to check out our sponsor, Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game. Get 200 free. We will see you guys on the other side of the weekend on Monday morning when we preview the upcoming Champions League tilts. Until then, best of luck.